The Diabetes Podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking to your doctor. Welcome back, everyone and fellow Diabetes to the Diabetes Podcast. Today, Dr. Grady and myself we're going to just go pure boxes up and just uh, have a conversation, shoot the shit, um, go a little off script. But before we get into that, you know, today we, we have an update announcement about the podcast. So near the end of the episode. So stay tuned to the end, uh, you know, so we can kind of talk about some exciting new things coming in the future of the podcast. But with that being said, uh, let me first just ask, you know, Grady, what's uh What's going on in your diabetic world these days? Um, it's been, it's been interesting because like I'm a person, person of habit and schedule is like a big thing in my life. And mm. so, you know, being at, when I first got out of school, I got out of chiropractic school and I had really no set schedule. Like I set, would have to set my own schedule now. Like it was just like, it was tough. Like, keeping everything, trying, trying to be as consistent as possible and everything. Um, and so I've gotten used to that a little bit, but now that I am down here in Arizona and I'm working on getting my practice going, I really, really have no schedule. Um, you know, I can stay up late and wake up late or go to bed early, uh, wake up early or sometimes go to bed late, wake up early. But, um, yeah, so it's kind of just all over the place, which makes diabetes hard because, you know, the more you can keep things consistent, whether it be your diets, whether that's food and, and timing or um, also like exercise and the your and not necessarily like you're working out, but then also like the movement that you get throughout the day. If it's if it's way off or, or not very consistent, then that just makes it that much harder. Um, that being said, though, the last couple of weeks, um, I feel like my diabetes has been pretty dialed in. Um, I've been trying to make my schedule a little more consi- consistent as far as like waking up and the time that I go to work out and the times that I'm eating. I try to make them as consistent as possible. And so far, the last couple of weeks has been been pretty nice, like I haven't been surprised by highs or, or lows very often. So um, that, that always is kind of a, a good gauge for me is like how often I get surprised by random numbers. Because mm. um, like I've talked about before, when I get surprised by like high numbers, it can irritate me. Right. Um, and, but lately that hasn't been happening, even though like there's some times where I've felt high, like I like some of my indicators are like getting really thirsty or if I have no appetite, because I always have an appetite, I can always eat. And so if I don't feel like eating, I'm like, my blood sugar must be high. Cause that's about the only time I don't feel like eating. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, but lately, even, even when I've had some of those, I'll check it and it's fine. I think because that happens because obviously it's much hotter down here. And at the same time, it's drier down here and you don't notice how much fluid you're losing. And so I'll, I think I've been struggling more with staying hydrated. Uh, there'd be some days where I am outside for a long time and doing some sort of exercise 
and I lose a lot of water, but I don't feel like I lost a lot of water. So that I don't rehydrate as much as I need to. And then I'm like, Oh, I feel like I'm high, but then I check it out. I'm not, I'm like, Oh, must just not be hydrated enough. Yeah. That's uh, I was going to ask you that too, was, you know, you moved from St. Louis, Missouri, a very humid dome, you know, allergy heavy area, you know, lots of pollen, other allergens and, and just so much humidity. And he moved to Arizona, Phoenix area. That's so, super hot. You know, you were just talking about that, but so do you feel like the dehydration affects the randomness or affects your hyperglycemia? Cause I think growing up, you know, for me, you know, I've always lived in the Midwest, you know, for the most part, you know, I've visited elsewhere um, for a short or extended periods of time, but uh, obviously we know that, you know, and we've talked about in the earlier episodes, hydration status, how that affects blood sugar, but it's almost hard to see because there's so many variables that will affect your sugars. Uh, it's almost sometimes hard to see how hydration can affect your blood sugar. So, you know, moving from one climate to a little bit more drastic of a difference, you know, besides just the hydration feeling and the, maybe the hyperglycemia, have you noticed an overall trend? You know, is it, is it easier to see? Um, interesting enough, like I don't get affected as much by the heat as what I would have thought or what, like based off of the textbooks, you would think I would, I would, I would be noticing. Um, I've kind of always said this, like, I'm like a camel, like somehow I retain water and like, I can go a long time without <laughs> drinking water, even in the heat and feel totally fine. Cause you're and, having a swollen, you got a bunch of big hump back there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like, I don't notice much, um, even when I'm in the heat, like only until recently have I noticed like the lack of appetite is really the only indicator that I'll get that I'm not very hydrated and are not hydrated enough. And as soon as I drink like a couple of glasses of water, I feel back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as far as in relation to the diabetes and, and numbers wise, cause feeling is different than what the numbers are. Right. And numbers wise, honestly, I feel like they're almost better. I feel like they're better they're more consistent here than they were um, in St. Louis and even in Nebraska. Nebraska and St. Louis are pretty similar as far as their weather goes and the humidity goes. And so that's kind of what I've been used to my whole life. But here, I feel like it's just been more consistent and not as much up and down, which is interesting. You would think since it's so much hotter that my blood sugar would be affected a lot more, but that hasn't been the case. Like even on days, like, I think I posted on my running app a while back that I ran like a three mile loop when it was like 117, 116. Are you using Strava still? Yeah, it was, it was a while ago. I haven't ran in a while, but it was was a while ago. I haven't seen you on Strava in a while. What the hell? Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I was expecting to have, you know, a fairly dramatic fluctuation in blood sugar, whether that was up or down, I figured something was going to happen. Um, but in all honesty, it was completely, completely normal. So I haven't really noticed much of a difference blood sugar wise, but, and if I have, it's almost been better and a little bit more stable down here versus, um, up in St. Louis. Wow. That's interesting. So do you have a plan to get your schedule, sleep schedule back on track? Cause yeah, I've seen you pretty wild out there after you graduated and you were, you're playing, video games, you're sleeping on beanbags. You were, 
not uh, the Grady that I knew when I was yep. still in school and you were, you know, you were a different person. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now that I've finally gotten an office space and we're going to be able to get in there this week and start working on it and getting it ready, um, I'm going to start work, waking up at a consistent time every day. And um, that way I can get my workout in right away. Cause I know me when I get working on a project, I want to finish it and not stop. So, um, so what I plan on doing is waking up early, going to the early, you know, CrossFit class and then, um, you know, doing whatever I need to do that day to get everything done and ready. And then I'll probably just keep that when I go and, and start working, go work out before work and then I'll be done with it. So, so yeah, I've, I'm planning on getting on more consistent schedule. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm struggling in that too. I mean, my, my schedule is booked solid as hell. Uh, but in terms of my sleep schedule, getting consistent, you know, as we were just talking before we hit the record button now, you know, that's something of all my own personal health battles. And, you know, we've kind of commented on a little bit in a few episodes here and there. Um, just sleep schedule and sleep hygiene has been always the bane of my existence. Like easily the most impacted and impactful, like one thing I need to do to, to get things stable and for other parts of my health. And I just, you know, I've always tossed it to the side and I'm just sick of it, you know? So I'm trying to get more back on that consistent schedule, but you know, when you're doing so many things, you know, you're opening your own practice down there in Phoenix, Arizona and, you know, with what I'm doing with my practice and a couple of my projects, it's hard, you know, and I, and I say this to empathize with anybody else out there that is just doing a million things like it's hard not to sacrifice your sleep, you know, and, and some people would disagree. Some people like, no, I need my sleep and all the power to, to those people keep that value. Uh, but if you don't already have that as a value for me, it's hard to actually change your habit and do the hard work of lifestyle change. But that's what you and I are essentially with our patients always try to do is lifestyle change. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I need to work on. So I'm trying to work on that myself here. Um, and hopefully my numbers are more stable because uh, it's definitely, you know, I've been able to find patterns throughout the years uh, in various ways, but it might change. Once I get consistent sleep, <laughs> everything might change, mm-hmm. which probably will. Insulin sensitivity would probably go way up. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's Sleep is a hard thing because especially when you're, when you have a lot of responsibilities or, or whatever, um, like you want to get as much done as you can. And at the same time you have those days or those nights, or sometimes it's every night where you just want to like lay in bed and watch TV or, or watch, watch your show or watch a movie. And that takes you another hour or a couple hours into the night where you could have been sleeping or you're scrolling on social media for two hours. Um, and so like, and that, that's hard. It's hard to cut that out of your life. Like, um, but sometimes you have to think about like, what's going to be more beneficial for you. And sometimes it's just a matter of like taking that step to try it. Cause right. it, and then that's sometimes the hardest part is just starting because you're like, man, I'm so used to watching the show every night before I go to bed. How about one night? I can go back to doing it again, but how about one night this week? I'm going to go to bed and not watch that show. 
and just see how I feel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just enough to get that momentum going. And then you start making um, those better decisions, even without trying. You don't even, the next day you like feel so good that you're like, you don't even think about watching that show because you're ready for bed. Right, right. Yeah. It's, um, but managing, you know, I think that's almost a hard addiction because then there's like an actual addiction for me it's it's a lack of value right but if you're scrolling i'll call it the death scroll if you're doing death scroll or <laughs> if you are watching a show like that is a, a habit that is an addiction that's mm-hmm. hard to break well, that can be a hard conscious thing to break where me it's hard because it's or anyone that's just go 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 it's the value of sleep isn't doesn't equate the value of getting everything else done within that before that day is done um you know, so they're, they're hard for different reasons, but I think majority of people fall under probably, you know, what you described and trying to give up the scroll or give up, you know, Netflix or Disney plus or insert the equivalent of all the direct TV subscriptions fat, you know, just 10, 15 years ago, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, you know, that for sure is one of the, is a really hard thing to do and would, will affect anyone's blood sugar. Right. Yeah. Now you also moving out there, you join CrossFit right i did how uh that's uh, i've kind of alluded to you know those types of hit workouts and we've talked about those hit workouts affecting blood sugar differently curious with my neurological wind up and my like we've talked about the difference between you and i and some of these things and working out in the past uh, and i guess i don't mean this to be more interview but i'm actually just curious um it's so easy for us to go in interview mode on this podcast yeah. <laughs> um but so I guess last interview type question to you is that, you know, do you find your blood sugar spikes up a lot or how do you find it during the two different types of CrossFit classes that you, that you're going to? And if so, like how drastic is it? Cause I don't mind getting ramp up pretty high there, depending on what you do. Yeah. It's been interesting because going into it, like I know how intense the CrossFit workout is because I've done CrossFit type workouts, um, just not in a CrossFit gym. And so going into it, I expected to probably drop low. And if not in the class, cause you know, obviously the burst of exercise is fairly short. So it may not get low in the class, but maybe a little bit towards the end of it. And, um, surprisingly it's been like, it's like perfectly level throughout the whole thing. Even when I get home, however, I feel, I kind of feel the symptoms coming on, even though when I check it, it's not, not there. And, um, so, but then what I, what I do notice is like maybe an hour afterwards is when, um, things might start to drop, but if I do absolutely nothing, it usually stays fairly level. Really? Um, but I will say I am very insulin sensitive after the workouts. So if I have, so a lot of times I'll come home and have um, like a, a protein shake with with uh, like some honey or something in it just to get some carbs in. And so I'll take the normal amount that I need to for that or, you know, a couple of times I did. And man, I would <laughs> I would get so low. I'd have to drink like four or five juice boxes. And no so um, so I started just waiting and seeing if it would if i needed to take any more or um at the very most i'd take like one unit 
um, despite having probably like 30 or 40 grams of carbs, basically grams of sugar in that. Wow. That's so interesting. Uh, you know, again, echoes to the individuality of diabetes and your personal health and how you manage it versus somebody else. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it is document, you know, with HIIT workouts and normal glycemic or insert whatever muggle name we haven't come up with or for non-diabetics, um, that a HIIT workout will raise blood sugars, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I see too um, with mine as well. Um, which I've talked about a little bit. So that's interesting that you stay level. Then you're obviously your insulin sensitivity would increase afterwards, right? You know, mm -hmm. my thing that's probably a safe bet that most diabetics or anyone's insulin sensitivity would increase afterwards. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting that you just stay level, that you don't drop low or go high during it. Um, now, are you wearing a CGM to know that, or are you still finger pricking right now? Um, mainly finger pricking. I think I was wearing a CGM for like one week. Um, but yeah, mainly finger pricking. And so I'm checking before and immediately after, and then obviously several times after, cause I'm like, what's it doing? Where's it going? Um, so yeah, like before and after, like literally the same number. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Dr. Grady, the robot of diabetes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow yeah that's um one thing that i've been doing you know I'm, I'm running i'm training for you know another another marathon which is partly inspired by um don Muchao and and then partly inspired by a couple other things going on in my life um but i'm training for my marathon and you know hydration definitely has been interesting to train up here during the summertime because last time i was here i was trained during the winter mm, um actually yeah. you know i was training January to April. So it was running in snow and ice. And now I'm training in the summer humidity and things like that and not having enough water on me and whatever else. But, you know, overall, I say, I would say my blood sugar is more stable than it was, you know, maybe a year and a half ago, um, which is interesting because, you know, often now I wake up at a stable level of 100 or 150. And, you know, probably the perfect. I would say for myself, the perfect running number would be like 130. You know, it's a little bit high enough baseline or, you know, target range to like float you a little bit. Um, you don't have to do some extra stuff, you know, because what I found for myself with running, if I run and it's like I'm at 160 or 180 or a little bit higher, you know, if I, or even like above 200, I know you run to like, lower your blood sugar mm -hmm. but depending on the run you know if i'm going a slow burn which is what i'm doing i'm doing distance for the most part yeah. Um, yeah. some days i'm doing speed training out on track but if i'm doing a slow burn that blood sugar is going to actually stay high for me um and wow. so it, but if i wake up and i'm like close to like 105 or 97 like, i'm almost like fuck i have to like <laughs> this is I have to like eat and I don't like to eat before I run. Ah, yeah. You know? So, um, or now thinking about now that I'm in longer distances, thinking about the stability of where I'm at, like, was it a Saturday? I was like stable at like 180 in the morning. I had to push my run off to like uh, one o'clock because I had a, a meeting at, from like nine to 12 um, on a Saturday. And I thought of the meeting there was going to be food because there always is. 
and there was no food. And so like, I've only had like water. I guess I'll just kind of walk through this like little, like what I did for this long run. Um, so at the time I was like, all right, stop drinking coffee. Like you need water. You're not getting any like carbohydrates in. Like you need to be like a little bit more or less jittery. So I'm trying to drink as much water as I can. And cause it, I, if you run with insulin on board and like bolus quickly before a run, that's going to be a disaster too. So there's a fine balance of like, if you're high, how much do you bolus for? But I find myself, if I bolus fully, I'm going to crash during the run. But if I don't bolus, I've been playing with percentage of the bolus recommendation based on my value. Like if I bolus instead of one unit, which would be appropriate, let's say for a correction, if I did 75% of that bolus 0.75, it's not nearly enough. It will bring it down by like 20 units or something. You know, it's not that extra 25% is exactly what my body needs to have the full sensitivity effect of the insulin to actually recruit as much gluten for as I need to, you know, stabilize. Yeah. My blood yeah, it's almost like you got to reach a, reach a certain threshold for it to actually like kick in. Right. So that like bolusing when you're high is tricky before run that way. So I was like 180. So it's a little bit higher, like than I would like it to be mm-hmm. for run, but I haven't eaten all day. I'm about to do a 15 mile run. And, and it's like, you know, 80 degrees, decent amount of humidity. It's like, you know, a decent like Midwest, like it's not super hot, but a decent Midwest summer day to mm-hmm. run in the middle of the day. Like I'm running at one o'clock in the afternoon, like the peak of the, the heat. Right. Yeah. I haven't eaten anything. So I was like, what, what am I going to eat? And this was an interesting response. And I fit, it was a little bit too much, but it still ended up being fine. So I ended up having four scrambled eggs, with a lot of salt, I made sure to put a lot of salt in there, try and drink a lot of water. Um, I had like a branch chain amino acid, like mixed drink. And then I had a bar and that I should stop right there. Should stop right there and continue drinking. But then I ended up having a goo beforehand. And when you run with type one diabetes, you know, you're more likely than not um, going to be consuming more goos than a not than a regular yeah, yeah. distance runner because of the sugar aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a goo beforehand and I literally spiked to like 330 oh. in the first few miles. Cause then cause I've told you, I like to, you almost need to do a basal percentage, right? Yeah. So like I brought it down like 75%. And so like it spiked up super high, but it was like, I know it's coming down and it eventually <laughs> did. It was coming down and, I actually had it after the initial crash, like maybe went to like 67, but I, I knew like at 150 when it was going down fast at goose, I had glucose tabs and changed my percentage basal rates, like 30%, 50%, things like that. You know, for most of the run, then I was stable at like, I want to say 113. You know, I was actually like, it was this big crash and burn, but I didn't burn too much. I quickly got to where I need to be. And for me, I find if I, you know, if I can survive the first 90 minutes of, <laughs> if I can survive the first 90 minutes of a run, that's a funny phrase. Um, then my blood sugar is pretty stable on a run, no matter the situation, unless it's just 220. And it's just, I'm in this inflammatory insulin resistant model and the running, like Don was talking about, just gets, you're so stressed. Like mm-hmm. you, the only thing to do is would be to stop running. Um, you know? And so for me, it's been interesting having more stability going into runs than I probably have in the past and, and my schedule just being different because it's a whole different level of, of diabetes management and, and running those 
hours that you're out there and, and trying to get, you know, water and all the sugar you need and electrolytes and everything like that. It's, it's a fun battle. It's a fun balance. So, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it is uh, to some degree. Well, it was, um, actually at the, so I had to last two and a half miles of this run. I had to do a lot of, uh, walking and, and running, um, and stuff. This was a 15 mile run. Yeah. So during, you know, during training, that's okay. You know, it's not my necessary, my goal for this marathon to never not run my second marathon. That was the goal was like diabetes control and never stop moving. That's not necessarily my goal this time. Um, and the situations are different. So when I was running and it was just hard. So I had to walk and run a lot and stop because of my hydration level. Cause all this, all this energy expenditure in my brain for managing my blood sugar. Um, so I was, I was dogging it. I had to go into a coffee shop to get water for a little while. Like I was just like, I was dying and not literally. And, um, <laughs> but the last half a mile, it was like this flip and like, it was this pure, like breaking the wall moment that, you know, runners get. And it feels so good because it's such a metaphor of, of bringing it to any aspect of life of, you know, of literally you've gone through hours of, of torture. And then all of a sudden there's this moment of like, wow, I'm actually doing it. And this actually feels good. And I'm damn proud of myself. And like, there was this, this is, that's almost like the, the, the runner's high for me. It's like, fuck, I can do this. And mm. you get like, this just second win and just, you feel the fibers in your quads contracting. And it's just, it's just this, pro, you're just being propelled and pulled in a different, from a different sense. And, um, and, and it feels, it feels good. So it was fun. And then <laughs> now I get to do it all again this coming weekend, but 16 miles. So <laughs> But uh, yeah, so it's, all, it's, it's a fun time, but, you know, balancing that and weightlifting is always a fun challenge. So, yeah, I bet. Um, but I know you haven't seen a lot of patients recently, but I thought one, one of these interactions with one of my patients was funny. You know, um, she knows that I'm a type one diabetic too. And I try to, when it's appropriate, you know, I let my patients know I'm diabetic, not all the time, uh, but it's uh, it's a good connector to, you know, I mostly see type two diabetic patients, but this one type one diabetic patient, she had the Omnipod mm-hmm. and I was just talking to her about it. And, and um, you know, I've never tested one or worn one. Um, and I was like, it always looks so bulky, always looks so big. And, you know, for the, those diabetes out there that are Omnipod listeners, you're probably like, it's definitely not, but like from the pictures, it looks like it, you know, it looks like it's this big thing on your arm. And um and so after talking about it and whatever, and I wasn't, I typically don't even see her. One of my colleagues sees her as a chiropractic patient. And then, you know, next time I saw her, she brought in an actual Omnipod to me. She's like, here you go. And I was like, I thought she was just like showing. I was like, oh, wow, that is pretty thin. That's cool. And she was like, no, like, do I have it here next to me? No, it's in my storage. Um, and she was like, no, this is for you. Like, I want, like, you can try it. And in my head, I was like, this is awesome. But I was like, at the yeah, same time. That's awesome. I don't have, I don't have the, the pump. I don't have the device. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can't even use it. There's no point. Like I don't have, it. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, it's just a, it's a kind of a funny figure between diabetics that, um, you know, one of the things that we, you and I like doing is just talking about our numbers. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 
uh, as a trying to create with this podcast and this community almost, you know, trying to just create a space where people can feel comfortable, you know, that, and I know there's, we have other ideas of that and it'd be cool to do a hangout. And I mean, Ronnie Miller has his whole, what, what's, what's his, um, Bolus and barbells, Bolus and barbells event. Now that the world yeah. is opening up, like I definitely want to fly out to wherever he's at and next time when he does. And I want to, I want to join one of those, you know, cause I think to, if you're a diabetic out there and you don't have another diet buddy where you can just talk, you know, let us be, let us almost like match, match you. <laughs> That'd be what a Tinder for diabetics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> swipe right or left for <laughs> MDI. Yeah. Or <laughs> EGM or, or figure sticks. Um, <laughs> so, but, um, you know, having uh, somebody to talk to like this is absolutely huge, you know, I mm-hmm. think. And so I always enjoy talking to you, Grady, about, you know, blood sugar and just random things like that that happen in the office and whatnot. But yeah, it was totally random to have that type one patient just give me an Omnipod. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's like, I mean, like we're all, all us diabetics are curious about different technologies that we have access to but sometimes we can't necessarily pull the trigger because it's not like we can just try it at all. We kind of yeah. are put into a position where we have to pick one based off of the marketing of whatever company. And hopefully it's good. If it's not okay in four years, we can get a different one. Um, yeah. So it's nice. It's, it's always nice to kind of check out whatever other people are doing and how they're treating their diabetes and managing it and um, kind of getting ideas and maybe thinking about, you know, maybe that might be a good thing for me or, you know, I, I see how it works for them, but uh, I don't see how it would, it would work as well for me. So. Right. And, um, you know, it's training technologies and what we all know and don't know from one another. And, uh, cause there's no diabetic God, there's no one person that knows it all. Right. Like we survive <laughs> as a collective community. I think one, it's really cool when I see online and, and diabetic Facebook groups is, you know, when there's a disaster of some kind um, and people or just people are in need, like, hey, I, you know, I need extra supplies. Can anybody spare? And like people like are so willing to give extra supplies out to one another. I think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And at the same time, like if somebody's never done something before, like um, my guys saw on pages, like in, I have them on like a diabetic Arizona page and people are asking about these different hikes that they go on, or, oh. you know, I've never gone on a hike. How, how, how do how does it affect your blood sugar being in the heat or, um, what do I need to bring? How long am I going to be out there? Um, different th- or like kayaking. How do you, how do you go kayaking and like protect your pump or, or bring stuff or, you know, just simple stuff like that, where you've never done something. So you don't know like what you would need to do. I mean, you hardly even know what you need to do as a human being, let alone what you need to prepare for as a diabetic. So it's nice to go on those pages and just ask like, Hey, I'm going to do this. What do I need to do to navigate this successfully? Absolutely. And uh, today somebody was just even asking me about um, CGMs. And so it was a a patient of mine who's um, a type two diabetic and, um, you know, he's been needing to get his lifestyle under control. And so yeah, I'm like, all right, Grady, it's just looking at you. Not, that's not his name, you know, 
HIPAA, whatever. But, uh, you know, Grady, are you ready? You know, do you, do you want to schedule that, you know, nutrition lifestyle consult yet? And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And, you know, I really need to, and this is why. And so he's definitely a little bit more motivated, you know, at stages of change. He's a little, he's almost past the contemplation phase of stages of change, but, um, talk to him. You know, I was like, yeah, it'll help your blood sugar, you know, this and that. We can definitely get this under control. And um, I forgot how we started talking about CGMs, but um, he's like, oh, yeah, I don't even I don't I can't do the finger prick. It scares me. It, it hurts. And and I was like, so you're just not checking. He's like, no, I'm not. And given type two, a little bit different scenario than what we're doing. And I was like, well, you definitely need a CGM. We definitely need to be talking about these things. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, yeah, but does it, does that hurt? And I show him the one I, I show him the next time. I was like, it's, you know, it, it might, depending on how you put it in. I've had some bleeders before, but typically no. And he's like, it doesn't stay on. I was like, I'm adjusting all day, every day. I just adjust you. It didn't come off. He's like, oh, that's true. Um, so it's um, he, like he, he's, this guy's even at this position where, you know, training technology. He doesn't even really know that much about a CGM and he's in his fifties, you know, and mm-hmm. um, as a type two diabetic where somebody is at the point of not even checking their blood sugar because of X, Y, Z, you know, fear based reasons. And, you know, as a diabetic type one or type two, I'm not a big, like, you know, it should be called different numbers. You know, I think you and I have talked about that. It's all diabetes. Like, we need to accept that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but regardless, you know, we're so well, we should always be willing to share and, you know, what technologies work and don't work and how we do things and whatever else. And so it's um, what we are doing, you know, and how we live affects one another every day. And so mm-hmm. I think communicating as much as possible with one another about these things is drastically important. Yeah. All right, everyone. So before we go and fit, close out this, episode of the, you know, the podcast, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about the state of what's going on. You know, we've kind of been posting a little bit less, um, both on social media and, uh, these episodes. So essentially what's going on, you know, Dr. Brady and I are starting to get a little bit busier in different parts of our lives. And so we're taking a temporary break from, you know, after this episode from creating content and, you know, and creating posting episodes on a regular basis. Uh, so first of all, you know, we wanted to thank everyone and all our listeners up to this point who have joined us and, and given your, us your ear and shared this podcast. This is all organic, organically grown podcast. You know, we haven't run ads. We don't have sponsors. You know, it's just him and I doing the social media poorly. <laughs> and so and so um, we've entirely been growing this past, you know, year and seven months or whatever purely on your word of mouth. Um, So just thank you for listening and sending us your questions up to this point. And uh, we hope you continue to do that, even that we're not regularly posting, you know, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been cool to see the interactions that we've gotten from people and also just been really fun um, interviewing people and talking to other diabetics because, you know, like we said, it's, it's fun talking to each other, me and Garrett, but it's also fun hearing different stories because me and Garrett have a lot of similar interests and, um, and similar lifestyles. And so, um, you know, it's nice to kind of see what other people are doing and how they're managing their diabetes and what things they've overcome too. So that's been, 
been a really fun, fun uh, journey. Yeah, absolutely. You know, speaking of guests, I mean, of course, a year and some change, you know, uh, we've had 10 guests on the podcast, mostly from the U.S., one from uh, Hong Kong slash Singapore, depending on where Jay is in the world right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've had downloads in more than 43 countries in the world. Like, you know, it's just him and I and and we're not doing this for any ego, but just trying to connect and see that and share that there's more to diabetes than being super strict to following dogmas as well as of self-destructive patterns, you know, and mm-hmm. the fact that we can get some of these messages across to so many people throughout so many countries, you know, the th- couple thousand downloads we've had, for the podcast has been amazing, you know, and um, I find it interesting that, you know, what people like to hear and not hear versus what's downloaded more or not, you know, our most downloaded episode was um, episode 31, which was our, our diabetes 101 metformin versus berberine. Um, which told like, which was the second most downloaded being our introduction. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sure it's funny comparing those two. And uh, we, I could say, you know, we've definitely gained different skills in a year and a couple of months of hosting the podcast, interviewing, creating, creating content. And, you know, um, those first few episodes are probably garbage compared to some of the ones we've done recently. <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to go back and listen to them. <laughs> Um, but a lot of the, the pause is, you know, we're busy, you know, Dr. Grady has been, uh, he just moved to, to Phoenix, Arizona. Where in Phoenix are you at? Uh, Gilbert. Gilbert. Okay. So he just moved. So he's starting up a practice there that we kind of talked about in Gilbert, Arizona. So if anyone is near the Gilbert Phoenix, Arizona and wants to be treated by the Dr. Grady Donahoe yeah. uh, for chiropractic, nutrition, functional medicine, whatever have you. Uh, hit him up and reach out to us. We can definitely get you connected. But, um, you know, his he's starting a new adventure, creating this practice over there. And then uh, my practice in Milwaukee, Wisconsin is getting busier and busier every day. And that's drawing a lot of my energy and time. And, you know, I'm working on finishing my master's here. And I'm sure we'll, we got, we have a whole plan of episodes we want to do, you know, when we get back, you know, mm-hmm. things ranging from more sciencey, like, you know, probiotics and, and more gut health stuff and specifically diabetes to, you know, different types of guests to things like, you know, feed, breastfeeding babies and, you know, what that type of early impact has on potential onset of diabetes. You know, there's a whole slew of things that Dr. Green and I want to talk about and share with y'all and continue to meet. And so we hope that during this hiatus that you guys are continuing to be subscribed. <laughs> Don't leave us. Um, <laughs> And just watch for our content, you know, kind of like, you know, before we get going and we'll kind of make some announcements before then, before we start posting more episodes. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a, it was a fun, you know, year and some change and we can't wait to get back to it here shortly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it'll be, it'll be good to kind of take a break for us just because it'll give us time to plan a little bit more. Plus at the same time, hopefully we can make it make the whole process a little bit more efficient so we can put out more content because we aren't tied up doing a bunch of other stuff behind the scenes. That's kind of big, the big, been the biggest inhibitor for us is we just had to do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And so we don't put out a lot of content on social media. Um, we don't necessarily post as many podcasts as we were planning on doing originally. Um, no. And that's just because it's very time consuming 
doing the administrative aspect of things. And so um, we'll, we're going to hopefully get a system down to make it a little bit more efficient. So that way we can uh, get more content out to you guys and um, provide more value. Right. So um, yeah, with that, cause we, we like to, we want to give as much as we can to whoever we're, we're serving. Right. And so um, when it comes to our patients, we want to be able to, to serve our patients as much as we can. When it comes to our listeners, we want to be able to give to you guys as much as possible. So mm-hmm. um, in helping us doing that, I'm going to give two calls to action before season one of the Diabetes podcast is over. Um, first call to action is, you know, one thing that's definitely been lacking is more, um, you know, female and women and women health yes, representation yes. on the podcast. You know, we've, we've tried to, you know, get connected with yeah. a handful. Yeah. We've tried to reach out to several of them. But we just haven't, haven't gotten a whole lot of uh, uh, people who want to come on the podcast to talk about those things or have experience with those things. So if you know somebody, um, you know, please either have them reach out to us or, you know, give us their, their contact information so we can uh, maybe set something up. Right. Cause we'd love to be more balanced. We know we're just two broy dudes uh, <laughs> on the podcast, uh, but you know, being, we, we like to think holistically and, and include a lot of people and, you know, so that's definitely a, um, something that was for sure in season one underrepresented for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, give us it, you know, if you want to get connected, help us get connected. That'd be great. So second call of action um, is continue to share it. You know, even that we're not releasing new episodes, uh, our episodes are still available for download and, and sharing. So, you know, continue to do that and continue to send in your emails and your questions. And there's still a couple of things that, you know, I want to be involved in with the podcast and I know Grady does too. So, you know, just continue to uh, keep involved and, you know, season two will be coming out here in a, in a few months time, but uh, right now this is official wrap on season one. Yep. So yeah, it'd be a good, good chance for people to catch up if they're behind on the episodes. And, but if you're listening to this, you're probably caught up. So um, yeah. Have you ever listened to our episodes at two times speed on the player, Grady? I listen to everything at two times speed. (laughs) When I'm editing, I'm listening to it at two times speed. Two times speed. Okay. Uh, I was about to say, well, if you're trying to catch up, we don't sound that good for two times speed. (laughs) Um. So yeah, so that is an official end to season one. So I'm going to do a little clap and, and, and thank you again for everyone. Uh, you know, much appreciated. We can't wait to continue the journey with y'all. Yes. So with that, we'll catch you guys here shortly on season two of the Diabetes Podcast in the near future. See ya. so much for listening to today's episode if you found value in today's conversation we would appreciate it if you gave a five-star review it really helps us branch out our community and get our message across to those who really need to hear it if you want to interact with us on social media you can follow us on the die buddies podcast on facebook twitter and instagram or if you have any questions comments concerns or moral outrages you can email us at the die buddies podcast at gmail.com thanks